Welcome to the Potter's House Community Church's podcast. Join us weekly as we feature our Sunday sermons. The Potter's House Community Church exists to help people be shaped by God to be followers of Jesus Christ. We hope today's message encourages you as we dive into God's Word. So grab your favorite drink and let's listen to today's sermon. So show me your mysteries, my God. Last Sunday we had just the pleasure and delight of going through Genesis 34, of looking at how messed up mankind can be and uh, how badly uh, we can get things and get things out of, out of whack and um, one comment I made on that passage was the fact that, that nowhere in that passage do we see God's name even come up. Um, nowhere did anybody say, hey, what does God want us to do in this situation? We don't see God really intervening in the situation. It's just kind of, this is what it looks like when man is left to man. And then here in Genesis 35, where we are today, God shows up. And God shows up in a big way. And it's, it's kind of unclear from the text on the timeline on if, if there's any time gap at all between Genesis 34 and 35 or if it's a continuation of that story. We don't really know. But regardless, the next thing that we have in Scripture after this, after Jacob is in this place where he's so concerned for his own well-being, his family's well-being, based on what his sons have just done of wiping out a village of men and, and all of this. And, and then Genesis 35, it says this. God said to Jacob, arise, go up to Bethel and dwell there. Make an altar there to the God who appeared to you when you fled from your brother Esau. So the first thing I want us to see is is as we're going through this passage today, I'm I'm just going to, my goal is for us just to see this is who God is. And this is what God does. And so as we look at this passage today, I just want you to see God. And I want you to see more of God. And, and maybe see how God is the same today, yesterday, and tomorrow. So that the same God that's appearing and talking, interacting with Jacob today in this passage is the same God that we can interact with today. And so God here, the first thing we see about God is God is a God who speaks. God is a God who speaks. It's not as prevalent today, but there used to be a really prevalent worldview philosophy um, called deism. Um, some would call it a religion in and of itself. But basically what deism would hold, and you still see variations of it today. People just kind of put their own spins on it. Uh, but basically what deism would hold is that, that obviously looking at our, where we live and at the complexity of who we are, there had to be an intelligent being behind it. Um, and so there is a creator. But then deism holds that, cre- that creator created everything, kind of set it in motion, and then he just stepped back and he doesn't have anything to do with it. And we hear this in, d- in different ways today, or um, we hear a lot of kind of more of a pluralism of different ways to God and all this kind of stuff, because our creation does scream the fact that there's a creator that made us. To say that there's no God is a really hard thing for me to grasp. I think you pretty much just have to live in an academic room where you don't go outside um, to come to that conclusion. Uh, but it's, it's very clear that there is a God that made everything. And what we believe as Christians and what we know to be true from the Bible is that God did not make everything and set it in motion and say, well, good luck. No, he's a God who interacts. He's a God who speaks. He's a God who speaks like he does here to Jacob. Now, 
how God speaks is in different ways. And how we experience him speaking is in different ways. We have, you know, um, I personally have never heard an audible voice. But yet I know that God has spoken to me on numerous occasions. Regularly. I myself have never seen visions. And yet I know things from God to be true. Does that mean that, that those who do hear a voice or do see visions and claim that, that I discredit them? No. Because what I see in scripture is, yeah, God can do that. And maybe he's doing that for that person. And, and for me, the way that I hear God speak the most is through his word. It's through scripture. And he takes that word, and I believe that word to be living and active. And so he takes that And even though it was written thousands of years ago in different languages and been translated and all of this, it's still alive. And so as I'm walking through my life, as I'm interacting in my life, God can use that. He can use that word to speak into my exact situation, into whatever's going on, and to point me in the path that he wants me to be on. Because he is a God who speaks. Now, with this, I also want to warn us that sometimes I see abuse in, related to this concept, especially in Christian circles. Um, I'm reminded of one time two guys came in during the week in that door right there, and we had this long chat, and um, they were telling me all about how they, they have seen Jesus, and uh, and then... I was like, okay, great. I'm very interested to hear what you have to say. Um, and so they continue to tell me all about how they have seen this same vision of Jesus. And they've talked with other people that have had, had this same vision of Jesus. And they were trying to tell me then, and then they could tell me how I could also have this opportunity to have these visions of Jesus. And I was like, okay. Um, so I keep listening to them and And, you know, everything that they said really boiled down to legalism. Is if if you're good enough, if you keep these rules well enough, then you will be blessed with this vision of Jesus. And to which I I told them, I was like, you know, that doesn't really line up with what I see in God's word because I see a lot about grace in God's word. I see a lot about the fact that, that who Jesus is, he... He came and he he died on a cross for me because I can't keep all these rules that you're saying to keep. And so because I can't, he did it for me. And because of that, I know him because of what he's done for me. I might not have seen a vision like you claim to have, but I know him. And, And what also was very interesting about these guys is apparently the Jesus that they've seen is a seven foot tall white man. To which makes it very clear to me why everyone in the Middle East knew who he was when he walked the earth. (laughs) Because he would have definitely stood out in that part of the world as a seven foot tall white man. Um, So I'm a little skeptical on some of those kind of things. Where where as Christians we can say, yeah, but I've I've seen this, I've had this vision and therefore it verifies that, okay. But I also see distortion on another side. And that's where we'll say things like, well, God told me this is okay. And what is it that God's told us is okay? Something that's in direct contradiction to his word. 
Whenever we are saying, hey, I want to do something that the Bible defines as sin, that, God, that, that God's word has said this is wrong, and we say, well, it's real. Yeah, I know the Bible says that, but God has told me it's okay for me. Right? And, and why do we say that? Because God just wants me to be happy. And if I'm happy, I do this. Right? Anybody heard this? I know you would never say this because you're, you're far above this kind of thing. But I've heard this far too many times. And I challenge you with this. Where is the scripture that said that God's ultimate goal is for your happiness? I don't know it. You can bring it to me afterwards if, you, if, you, if you've got it. And whenever we're trying to find happiness in things that are outside of God's word and outside of God's will, that's not true happiness. That's not joy. The joy that we get as the fruit of the spirit is something that is supernatural, that transcends our circumstances. And so even though we might suffer in this life, even though things might be hard in this life, uh, because we are walking in obedience to God's word, he gives us his peace and his joy that carries us through that situation, that transcends that situation. And so we have, we have to know, first of all, yes, God is a God who speaks. But we also have to know that God is a God who is consistent and faithful. And so when he speaks, he does not contradict himself. Okay? And so if you're saying, hey, God has told me this, and yet you know in his word he said no to this, that's probably not God you're listening to. That's probably yourself. All right? Now, we have quite a ways to go, 15 verses a day, and that's one of them. Let's move on. Verse 2. So Jacob said to his household and to all who were with him, Put away the foreign gods that are among you and purify yourselves and change your garments. Let us arise and go up to Bethel so that I may make there an altar to the God who answers me in the day of my distress and has been with me wherever I have gone. So they gave to Jacob all the foreign gods that they had and the rings that were in their ears. And Jacob hid them under the terebinth tree that was near Shechem. So here we see Jacob's response to when God has spoken. God has spoken to him and said, hey, come in, come in to worship. Come, remember that place where I, I appeared to you when you were on the way um, to Laban's house and you were all scared and alone and I promised you that I was going to take care of you and I was going to provide for you and I was going to multiply you. And you see where you are today. You've been taken care of. You've been provided for and you've multiplied. Well, now come back to that place and worship me. And J Jacob says, you know what, Here, here's the proper response to a God who speaks. It's total devotion. God is a God who deserves total devotion. Jacob's like, okay, guys, all this stuff relating to worshiping anyone or anything other God, it has to go. We're getting rid of it. Okay, so we, we remember even as they were fleeing from Laban, um, one of his wives, she, she brought idols from dad. Well, apparently all of, all of them had all these different idols. Um, it's, it's thought that the mention of the earrings here, most likely their earrings were a symbol of worship of these other deities and other things. And Jacob says, no more. We're cleansing our family. We're cleansing 
all of that out. We're washing that away. That is gone. We're not doing that anymore. We're not focused on that anymore. We're getting rid of that. In fact, I'm taking it out back and I'm burying it. I'm getting rid of it. And that's what God deserves. And so Jacob takes it all. He buries it in the field. And then then Jesus uh, preaches the parable of the man who finds the treasure buried in the field and Okay, that's a jump. I'm not, I'm, I'm not making that jump as a joke, okay? But seriously, when you understand what Jesus has done for us, the fact that, that he's spoken through his word, but not only he spoke through the word, but he is the word. He's the word became flesh. He lived among us. He lived a sinless life. He died on a cross, and he rose from the dead three days later. And he did that so you and I could be made right with God. When you understand that, when you understand that in your life, when you've heard that spoken into your life, then what is the proper response to that? Total devotion. Not continuing to fall back into these other things and having these other things that we're worshiping. And we say, well, Wayne, I don't know. I, I, my earrings are not a sign of me worshiping anyone else. Right? Um, I don't have little idols at my house that I bow down to. Okay, let's see what Paul said in Colossians. In Colossians 3, Paul says this. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. So, so Paul is saying, hey, idolatry is not just earrings and carved images. He's saying, hey, yeah, the things that we, we put in the place of God in our life, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desires, and covetousness. Covetousness, easy for you to say. All right? These things take that place of God. They take the place where he should be. So anytime we take something that should be where God deserves to be in our life and we put that thing there, that thing is that an idol. And he lists the bad things here, but sometimes we can put really good things in that place. We can take our family and we can put them in that place. We can take our spouse and put our spouse in that place. And and when we do those things, we can take our job, our work, Fill in the blank. We can take our play, our fun, and we can make that our idol. Whenever we take those things and we put them in the place of God, then that's an idol. And it's something that's taking us away from total devotion to him, which is what he deserves. And so Jacob here says, hey, family, get cleaned up. We're going to church. All right, so any passage for having your church clothes... Um, Here you go. Here's a passage on your church clothes. He says, hey, we're even changing clothes. You guys are stinky. You've been hanging out with the sheep too much. We're getting cleaned up. We're going to worship God, and he's deserving of our best. And so that's what they do. They take off, and they go to worship him. But another thing that was in those verses right there in verse 3 that we can see about God is, is this. Let me read verse 3 again. Then let us arise and go up to Bethel so that I may make there an altar to the God who answers me in the day of my distress and has been with me wherever I have gone. So we see here that God is a God who listens. 
Not only does he speak, but he also listens. He interacts. He knows our situation. He knows what's going on. He knows our problems. He knows our troubles. And in that, he's a God who hears us and he acts. Moving on to verse 5. And as they journeyed, a terror from God fell upon the cities that are around them. So they did not pursue the sons of Jacob. And Jacob came to Luz, that is Bethel, which is in the land of Canaan. He and all the people who were with him. And there he built an altar and called the place El Bethel. Because there he revealed himself um, to him when he fled from his brother. And so what was Jacob so worried about after his sons had executed this town? All the people around are going to rise up and take us out. He was scared. And so what does God say? Hey, take your whole caravan of people and walk down the middle of all of them. Walk right through them all is what God calls him to do. And so he's doing that. And you know what God does? God protects him. So God is a God who protects He's there for us. He, he takes care of us. He, he, he puts protection around us when we need it. And he's a God who's able to do that. And then verse 8 comes up kind of out of nowhere. And so let's just see what it says. And Deborah, Rebecca's nurse, died. And she was buried under an oak below Bethel. So he called its name Elon Bucketh, or Oak of Weeping. So here kind of out of the blue, we have mention of this Deborah lady. We don't really know much about Deborah. Um, but Rebecca, who was Jacob's mom, apparently she was her nurse. So our assumption at this point is that Rebecca has passed by this point. Uh, we don't know. We don't have, scripture doesn't really tell us much more about Rebecca after she sends Jacob off to Laban. And then... But this Deborah lady had apparently joined Jacob's caravan. He had, she had joined in with his group, and she's traveling with them. And apparently she was well thought of enough that it made it into Scripture when she dies. And it was a big enough moment for them. But what can we learn from this? What does he name the, the place? He names it Oak of Weeping. So even in this moment of when they're, they're journeying to worship God, they're doing things right, they're moving in the right direction, they still have a moment of mourning and sadness because they've lost someone that they love and they care about. And we can see from this that God is a God who's with us when we mourn. He doesn't leave us alone. He's there when we mourn, and that's not separate from our worship. It's not like when we come to, to worship, we have to be like, oh, everything's great and perfect when it's not. We can come to him in honesty and say, this really stinks right now. I'm sad. I've lost somebody that I love, somebody that I care about. And we can come to him even in that moment, and he's with us even when we mourn. Okay, let's finish the passage up. God appeared to Jacob again when he came from Paden Aram and said and blessed him. And God said to him, your name is Jacob no longer shall your name be called Jacob, but Israel shall be your name. So he called his name Israel and God said to him, I am God almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. 
A nation and a company of nations shall come from you, and kings shall come from you, from your own body. The land that I gave to Abraham and Isaac I will give to you, and I will give the land to your offspring after you. Then God went up from him in the place where he had spoken with him, and Jacob set up a pillar in the place where he had spoken with him, and a pillar of stone. And he poured out a drink offering on it and poured oil on it. And so Jacob called the name of the place where God had spoken with him, Bethel. So again, we see God coming in with a blessing because God is a God who blesses. And he blesses Jacob. He says, hey, here's how it's going to go for you. You're going to become a great nation. There's going to be kings that are going to come from you. We know the greatest king that came from him was none other than the king of kings, Jesus himself. So even in this promise, there's promises of Jesus who is to come. And so we see that we have hope in Jesus and peace in Jesus. And God blesses, he keeps his promises. I wanna tell you, um, when I first came to to West Kelowna the very first time uh, to come find out about this church called Potter's House. Um, see a couple of you that were here at that point. Uh, at that, that point, honestly, like I knew a little bit of the backstory of the church and I was just praying like, God, are you, honestly, are you sending me there to tell them, hey, good job, but you can quit now? Um, because the church had had some good years and then it was in the middle of some rough years and things were on the decline and um, the, the faithful few were, we're sticking it out, and, and so that, that was kind of my prayer coming in. But once I got here, um, like I said, I don't, didn't hear an audible voice, but one verse from Scripture, which is how I find that God speaks to me, kept coming to mind over and over and over again. And it was uh, a passage from Acts 18. And in Acts 18... 9 and 10, it says this, And the Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, Do not be afraid, but go on speaking and do not be silent, for I am with you, and no one will attack you to harm you. And then this last part is what kept coming to my mind. For I have many in this city who are my people. And I just took that as God saying, I have, I have much more work to do here. There's more to do here. People who are mine are in this city and they need this church. And so that was a, a big part of God calling me here and telling me, hey, yeah, uproot your, your family, move to another country, do what makes no sense at all by human standards and go do this. And so we did. And in that... I will be very honest with you. There have been moments and times and even periods of time where I'm like, really, God? Like, where are these people that you said are yours? <laughs> like, what is going on here? Like, like, what, why? But then there's moments like this last week where in, to steal the words of uh, one of my good friends who's a pastor, he, he says that, he says frequently, I just feel like a kite that's caught up in a hurricane of grace. And, uh, and I truly felt that, especially this past Thursday, with getting to see these kids placing their faith in Christ. 
kids saying, yes, I believe in Jesus. Yes, I believe he died on the cross. I believe he rose again and I want him to be my savior. Kids reaching out and praying to him and saying, yes, be my savior, forgive me of my sins. What a great blessing to be a part of that. But I want to tell you as a pastor, what probably encouraged me even more than the kids placing their faith in Christ is getting to see some of your faces after you got to be the one that talked with them and shared with them. Like some of you, I didn't know smiles could be that big. Because that's an amazing opportunity. It's an amazing thing to get to share what is so important to us with someone else and getting to see God make, take that, that seed and plant it and take root in their life. And so, yes, I do believe that God is still at work. I believe he has a lot more to do here. I believe he's still, I believe that passage of Acts is still true, that he has many more who are his. They might not know it yet, but they're his. And I believe he's calling them. And that might be you today. That might be you, and you might have just come into this place today saying, I don't know about this church thing. I don't know about this Jesus thing. And I want to tell you, here's the gospel. You are a sinner, and you're in need of a Savior. Jesus is the only hope. He died on a cross. He paid the punishment for sin so that we could be forgiven and we could be made right with God. We know that the payment that he made was received and marked paid in full because he rose from the dead, defeating the consequences of sin. Without him, there is no hope. With him, there is all the hope in the world. So I invite you today to ask him to be your savior, to place your faith in Jesus and join us in following him. And in that, we come to a place of worship. We come before him and worship and say, yes, you are worthy. You are worthy of all worship and glory and praise because great things you have done. Let's pray together. Jesus, we do thank you for the price that you paid for us. The fact that you gave your own life as a sacrifice for us. Jesus, we, we thank you that you are so good. And we thank you that you are a God who hears. You're a God who speaks. You're a God who protects. You're a God who's with us even when we mourn. And you're a God who blesses. We thank you so much for that. Your blessings are good. Your mercy is abundant. And I thank you. Thank you, Lord. In Christ's name I pray. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. Feel free to subscribe to our podcast, leave us a review, and share with others. If you'd like to learn more about our church, you can visit our website at www.potterschurch.ca or you can connect with us also on social media. Tune in next week for a brand new episode of our weekly sermon series. We hope that you have such an amazing rest of your day. Don't you feel yourself.